Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And today on the show is a real treat as an end of the year uh, sort of, uh, you know, finale. Um, I am happy to be sitting here with my mother, my wonderful mother, Nancy Slowey. Um, we're going to hang out and chat. Uh, she is the my biggest supporter, always has been. She's the only one who who consistently has watched my show uh, since the very beginning, that I know of at least. And my cat, Charlotte, will be joining us. So, welcome to the show, Mom. Hey, Ben. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, what'd you do? Well, I taught a class this morning, a Pilates class, at nice. the local club. The HF uh, racket club, right? Yes. Yeah. And I had a decent turnout. And then I came home, had breakfast, and here we sit. Yes. And you had pancakes, right? I did. Uh, Whole grain. You offered me some, but I I ate the rest of the garlic bread from last night. So And I had the rest of the challah. So I just ate like a bunch of bread already. That's honestly why I didn't want them. Is that making up for your father? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have to eat all the bread because he can't. Right. Dad is, uh, he's a low-carb diet now. Um, well, um, well, that's good. Uh, I'm glad you've had a good day so far. Um, so, like, how long have you been instructing, like, at the health club? Like, not even just Pilates, just in general. I think it's been about nine years now. Mm. About nine. <clears throat> I never thought I would want to teach. I always wanted to go and just participate, but mm -hmm. I've always been a big advocate for group fitness because even when you don't want to go, there's somebody there in the room that helps you get to the end. Mm -hmm. So it kind of became a thing when I was taking a step class and the instructor said, I'm going to be leaving soon and there's nobody else to take over this time slot. So. You mentioned you wanted to get certified. I think you should work towards it. Mm -hmm. Well, it was really hard for me to do because I hadn't taken an exam in probably 20-some-odd years. Right. And so that was really <clears throat> scary for me. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I went through the process. I studied my ass off, and then they canceled that certification. And I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. But, and that was specifically for a step certification. Mm -hmm. But, so I got certified in general um, group fitness. And then from there, I was still able to teach step. And then, and I taught several kinds of step classes. Mm -hmm. And then it evolved into Pilates and muscle training and spin. And I taught body shred. So, yeah. Over the years, I get easily bored exercising if I do the really? same thing. Plus, I think it's a good thing to cross-train because it just keeps your mm -hmm. body guessing, and it also prevents injury. Sure. So. When did you start like actively exercising in your lifetime? Like, were you doing it like when you were my age, for example? Yes, I was. I would say 
I started in college. So, fun fact, I used to smoke. You don't say. <laughs> and so, I was also, uh, so I smoked and I was on the birth control pill when I was in college. Well, end of high school to college. And I thought, well, that's not a very good combination. There was threats of having blood clots and mm -hmm. issues. So I thought, well, I've got to counteract it by working out. Mm -hmm. So I started working out, and that <clears throat> meant a lot of different things back then, but it, it kind of came in and out depending on what was going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in graduate school is when it became very uh, much more of a routine and part of what my day looks like mm -hmm. and what my weeks look like. Yeah. To me, working out is kind of like brushing my teeth. Yeah, it's just part. It's woven into the fabric of what I do, and I don't think I'd feel myself if I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, and how, where your, where's your workouts, Ben? Um, where are they sitting on the shelf? <laughs> uh, they're still. I mean, I th like the thing is, like I've retained like what I could do, like if I were to just sort of work out casually, like at home. Because now that, I mean, obviously it's cold, and it's also, um, because I moved, like, farther away from the gym that I joined about a year ago, it's just not convenient for me to go. So, I mean, I honestly, I could very well, like, do, like, workouts at home, you know? I could do push-ups, I could do sit-ups, I could do, you know, like, uh... I could even just do jumping jacks, you know? Uh, but, um, but I don't know. I just, I never, like, there, it's not just a conscious thing that I plan into my day yet. Maybe I will someday. Well, I hope you do, because it really does make you feel better, and it makes you do things better. It, it puts you more at peak performance. Mm -hmm. um, you think I'd have a better podcast if I... Uh... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I think that... Yes, it has to be fun, and yes, it has to be um, convenient. Mm -hmm. So the at-home aspect of being able to do push-ups, if you did them every other day, you don't have to do them every every day, um, could, it does make your brain work better. Mm -hmm. So yes, it would make your pot. I mean, ultimately, yes. It, everything's all intertwined. So sh sh should I start over? Should I, should I start a new podcast and just say... <laughs> yeah, fitness... <laughs> Fitness with Ben, maybe, well, they actually, that's one of the ways I started was at home with a television set, um, and there was this dude years ago, his name was Jack LaLanne, he was like the innovator of at-home fitness, mm -hmm. and people would turn on their television sets and they would do exercises with him in very limited space, and I think that that is, um, it, it kind of was one of the, you should look him up sometime. Sure. He's um, sort of the original at-home gym, and really with very little equipment. But really what I hear when people have that kind of uh, verbiage mm -hmm. is excuses. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not denying that. I, I am making excuses for myself. I'm just lazy. <laughs> I just have too much I think about doing that I'd rather be doing than to, you know... To, than to lay a mat out and start doing push-ups and stuff. I promise anybody who gives it a shot never regrets doing it. 
but I can't get your father to do it either. So it's not. Um, although he does say that if we didn't have such a long commute to and from work, he would entertain the idea of joining a gym again. It's not. He used to call it the torture chamber, as you remember. <laughs> yeah. He didn't really like it very well. He's dramatic. Yeah. Well, and I didn't like. I, he didn't like the music. Because he doesn't like current pop music. Well, that's that's why you put your headphones in. You know, he could just. He didn't used to use headphones, but when he got his current job, he finally, finally came around and has embraced the the podcast. Yeah. Right. Or music. Even when he worked on the, our local trail over here, um, he used to not like the idea of something in his ears. But I said, if you listen to a piece of classical music it just elevates your whole experience because he likes classical mm -hmm. and opera music so yeah fun fact uh, the, the the dad side of you know the, sl the slowy side uh they complain a lot all the time yeah <laughs> and they know it you know there's something wrong with everything but we love them um so well yeah maybe that could be a bit of a resolution i can have going into this new year um <clears throat> so um, yeah, I mean, I, I always knew that, like, fitness was, like, because even when I was little, like, you know, you used to take me to daycare, um, at the health club while mm -hmm. you worked out and took your classes and stuff. It seems you've just never skipped a day. Um, well, I think resting, you can't work out every day. Well, well I wouldn't recommend it. Um. Well, right, but, I mean, like, meaning, like, you've never, like... Your routine has never been disrupted. That, there you go, my routine. Well, so initially it started, I started working out because I thought this would probably be a way to counteract some other health issues. I had a mom who had a lot of health issues. Mm -hmm. She was an avid walker, um, and, I've, and my grandmother was an avid walker. They both walked every single day, mm -hmm. year-round. Yeah. And so I think I saw that, and it was a good model. Um, even though my mother had health issues, she, whenever she could, she did. And then it also became, when you're younger, it's also a cosmetic thing mm -hmm. because you want to stay thinner. Right. And you want to stay like in this horrible uh, ideal of what you think you're supposed to look like. Which is the beauty standards. Yeah, which right. I have, um, yeah. I'm totally against. But, and, and I tried really hard to have you and Megan. Ben's sister, um, never have body images problems like I had battled when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I also had some um, mental health issues that as, so my initial engagement with fitness wasn't for the end, what has turned out to be the end result. Mm -hmm. So it was more cosmetic and, and also to try to counteract some other health things, but in the end, um, because I had de battled depression and a lot of um, things that weren't diagnosed because we didn't have the tools to do so, right, yeah. um, I found that by working out, I just felt better. Yeah. And there was a lot of research to back up if you exercise, you feel better. Well, that's true. I, when, like, when I was working out like consistently in college, that was like the first time I had like, consistently been going like, you know, three times a week. Uh, and I had worked on specific muscle groups, like when I would go, like um, that. Like I did really start feeling better. Um, like just I felt more active, more motivated. That like. So how can we get you to do it? Like what? 
I always, this is something I want to know. Like, how do I, especially with young adults, as they're turning a corner and evolving and developing a routine with their life, how does somebody like myself who knows that it will make you feel better, and you know it will make you feel better, but how do we get over that behavioral hump? I think part of why, like, I stopped and why probably anyone would stop doing anything not just working out, but it could also be like something creative or just something passionate, a hobby. I think that what happens is just like going through like situational life changes sort of disrupts like the rhythm of like, you know, when you do it, like when you fit time for it or like what else, if there's something new that's going on in your life, like you need to make time for that and it might take away time from something like working out. And I think what stopped me from doing it so consistently was, for one, um, graduating college. Like, I no longer had the... the f it was the convenience of having, like, the gym membership. Like, you... <clears throat> it wasn't even a membership. It was like you just got to use the facility at school for free if you were a student. So I did that for a while, and that was, that was a huge motivating factor. Is that, I mean, since I'm paying basically to use it, um, with my tuition, I might as well. So that was part of it. But also, so like when I was not a student anymore, I didn't have that at my disposal. I had to start paying for it. And then the second part of it is also like, you know, I guess how I began, you know, soul searching and, and like looking for something new to do. And I did end up joining, joining Anytime Fitness like a couple months after I graduated. And I would go, for, I went for a couple months. But after I started doing the breaking and entering writing and after I started the podcast, like that just started like taking up most of my time that I wasn't at work. Um, so this is what I. So I just don't, yeah, so I just, I didn't make time for it because I just didn't prioritize it as much, I guess. Well, that's, I get that. Um, it still doesn't really answer the question, but I can tell you this is what I... Well, I mean, I'm saying, like, when I went through changes, like, when when something... When so things how do we help somebody that's going through changes? So if I go through a change, like I've had a couple new jobs, and each time I've had a couple job changes, I've had a different routine. But the priority in my mind is always how am I going to work exercise in? Mm. I look at what my day is going to look like with this work schedule and and say, oh my gosh, how am I going to get in? Muscle training, cardio, mind body, like how am I going to get it all in? And that becomes my priority. Even if I go on a long weekend to visit your sister, even if we go on vacation, as soon as we plan the vacation, I'm figuring out how I'm going to work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it becomes part of the whole yeah. process. Because we used to go, when we would go, like, camping, you would jog around the campsite, mm -hmm. wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Or you would go on runs, uh, like, if there, if we were staying in a hotel, like, you would use the facility or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Like, yeah, you always did, you instinctively fed it in to any, whatever the circumstances were. So, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that speaks to how much of a like grace it has been in your life an outlet of sorts for you to feel good and to stay motivated you know through what you do um, yep. and the cats help too 
<laughs> when I'm at home exercising, they're usually under toe. Um, I've stepped on Wilbur a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I know that he prevents you from moving when he's sitting on you so much. It's true. <laughs> so, Mom, uh, so you so you went to school for broadcasting way back when, um, and, you know, you obviously got married to Dad in the 80s, um, and you helped him start making this greenhouse as the family business. Um, neighborhood Garden Center. Neighborhood Garden Center, right? Um, and uh, it, we did that up until 2015, and then the, the business liquidated, closed down. Like, you, at the age of 54, you had to, you know, basically have a clean slate once that was done. Um, you had to find something new to do, and you eventually would go on into going into education. So, and that's what you currently do now to this day. So, like, I guess, like, what was it about, like, how did, how did that transition period, looking back at it, made you want to, you know, really pursue education as, like, the next step for you? Okay. I think an underlying principle that drives me forward and has always driven me forward is one element is that I never ever intended on doing only one career in my life. Mm. So I just with like with fitness where I get bored by doing the same thing all the time, I can't imagine. I remember going to your grandpa, your dad's dad's um, retirement and he retired from a company after it all these years and I thought, wow, I hope that's never me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, although it really kind of was. So when you're self-employed, you have more flexibility and so I could control some of the way I use my skills. So, there's many things that I hope to be able to do over time and I think that one of the things that really was intriguing for me about broadcasting is one, it's an extraordinarily powerful tool. And it gives you a platform to reach an enormous amount of people. And it's very very uh, powerful to be able to educate through that mechanism. So when I had studied broadcasting, my idea wasn't to do anything that was hard news. Um, I found that too depressing. And I would later go on to feel the same way. Right. Um, I, but I really kind of enjoyed the, the kind of programming that PBS does. Um, our local TDW. I had hoped to um, work in public television and work on whether it was children's or middle-aged children's um, ability to learn through the television. Um, so. And, of course, things have evolved, and now we have um, computers and social media and all these different platforms that we can teach through. Mm-hmm. So I, I had always hoped to use education as an underlying continuum in mm-hmm. the whole process of my um, career trajectory. So when... It didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen, but I never really wanted to be in a classroom in front of students and have the same curriculum for 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out how to get education 
into my life and help facilitate p people to learn without it being as necessary that conventional setting mm -hmm. so I thought that broadcasting could be a way to do that sure well as it turns out for a plethora of reasons from way back when, and it was a different industry, it was very difficult for me to break into that realm, and I never was successful. Mm -hmm. So, not that I feel like my degree was useless, because I certainly don't think it was. I feel like if you get a degree in um, molecular, molecular biology and you end up being an artist, somehow you're using whatever yeah. you learn mm -hmm. about yourself, about the process of learning, the logics of learning, mm -hmm. and then just the way you view the world is a totally. little different. Yeah. So, I think that um, learning how to Im integrate that into the garden center, um, I was able to guide customers through uh, advising them on their gardens. Mm -hmm selecting the appropriate plant material, people will come in, I can't grow anything. Well, that's not true. You just need to have the right tools. It's so, like cooking. Same exact, with cooking. A hundred percent. So that kind of interaction with the public also was helpful in educating and guiding. But then as I was, we were coming to the end of the greenhouse uh, era, and I knew that I had to find something else. I was trying to figure out: Did I need to be a nonprofit? Did I need to be in? I never felt comfortable in a big corporate setting. Big companies always yeah. seem. There's a lot about that that seems um, disconcerting mm -hmm. to me. I could never do that. Yeah. The personalization, yeah. but it's kind of like. Um, going to an enormous university, like if you went to the Ohio State, I had talked to students and parents of students that went to big, big institutions. Mm -hmm. They didn't feel like it was so big because it's broken down into departments and it's broken down into subsets of all yeah. of that. It's kind of like the country and states and regions and then we have our village and our mayor. And yeah. So, so, it, so I think it, it, which all of those concepts are are very lineal. Yeah. So, yeah. so there was one afternoon I was working by myself. Your dad was on the road as a salesman at this point. So I was yeah. running the greenhouse pr primarily by myself most days. Yeah. With a little bit of help from uh, extra people, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> very little. I was cleaning up. It was a fall. It was a cool day. I was in the parking lot and I had a flat of pansies and I was cleaning them up. And um, I was trying to figure out what was the connective tissue with everything that I enjoy. And by working at the greenhouse, I was given the privilege of mentoring young adults. Mm -hmm. And I was able to hopefully have somewhat of a, um, an opportunity to mold them into be the best workers that they could be once they left here. Mm -hmm. And so a good work ethic, being on time, um, always showing up, and then of course there's just people skills, then there's the actual skills of working in the greenhouse, which even though 
people think that you know filling pots or planting plants is not a transferable skill it is and so no matter what job you've ever had the skill set that you start from and that you leave with always will help you do your other job better mm -hmm. so i'm not exactly sure you could answer this how does broadcasting help you be a better dishwasher then um <laughs> i can see it but I, but I want to see if you can um, see it well making sure everything is as clean as it possibly can be that's how i look at like editing you know like when i when i'm editing something on my software um <clears throat> or if I'm writing an article, like, you know, uh, whether it's I'm printing or doing something for print or I'm editing something, you know, everything has to be, like, I can't just, like, something just can't be, like, mostly clean and then I put it back on the rack. Like, no, it has to be, like, you know, it has to be squeaky clean. It has to be, like, perfectly, like, meticulously um, paid you know, attention to detail, and the same can be uh, translated into how I do my work. So, you know, I can't, I can't publish a half-assed article. I can't upload a half-assed video. Like all my edits have to be concise. They have to be. My words have to be succinct. They have to be. They have to semantically make sense. They have to, you know, be ordered organized in a <coughs> specific way that makes it easy for other people to understand. How about this? Broadcasting has deadlines. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. Writing for a paper would have... So there's deadlines. So and in, a, in food service, you have service. Mm -hmm. So you have to... Urgency. Have, yes. Yeah. So, and getting a certain amount of work done within a, in, in this box of time. I also felt when um, I was teased relentlessly from your father and my father about how my degree was not really applicable, I felt like working at the greenhouse and co-managing a bunch of people with your father, I was able to d direct a cohesive group. So like in broadcasting, you have a team mm -hmm. and each person has a part to play and so and I really felt like we were all equals and you could you were as only as strong as your weakest link so if I have somebody who mishandled a customer that reflected poorly upon all of us so perhaps in the restaurant you, know, you all have a function you're a team there is no service without dishes mm-hmm all right yeah and true this I have the most important job in the restaurant damn it well, okay, <coughs> I'll buy that, but... I have to say that, you know. Of course. Um, you're destined for great, great things. You're probably going to be super famous someday, because I think that all... Although I know you don't really want to be famous. I feel like I don't really want to be... Um, have myself recognized, but I want to be participating in something that helps facilitate something that becomes oh, yeah. a model for yeah. something that is successful for most people. Well, and that goes with the whole thing that I said the other day to you, because um, we were talking about it, like, it does, like, it's not about being famous, it's about making an impact. Exactly. You know, and it's like, 
you know, you can call any of these, like, social media influencers with millions of followers. Sure, you can call them famous, but what real impact are they making on their surroundings and on the world? You know, not to say that they, that no one who was a social media influencer doesn't make an impact. I'm not saying that at all, because a lot of them do. But just simply having that following, that base, doesn't mean you're making, like, you know, a real difference in the world. Um, and I think... Well, that's the hope, is that we can't... I think, although I I hate to devalue... I mean, I certainly am not somebody who's going to sit down and watch the Kardashians or any kind of... Uh, like reality TV yes, or anything. Yes, it's yeah. not my, my thing. Right. But if some people gravitate towards that as an outlet for just giving levity to their life, it's like comedy. It doesn't really... Ch how The kind of change it, it gives you is to be able to cope with your everyday. Mm -hmm. Then there is value in that, but I... I, which I'm hearing from you, and I um, I think that your sister also has sort of a similar um, hope, is that the work that we do gives back to the world and makes it a better place. It's kind of like camping, mm -hmm. where when we can't, when we're when we enter a space, we leave it better than when we got mm -hmm. there. Which actually, apparently, as I've recently been retaught, is a very Jewish principled. Concept. Oh, so I'm living real Jewish, uh, trying to do this uh, show here or whatever it is, <laughs> and allowing other people a platform to expose other people to their art or mm -hmm. their passion yeah. for whatever that means for that person. Totally. So for sure, I appreciate that. So that being said, right. how do you feel like I've evolved with the show? Like, how do you think? From what you've seen, like, how I've improved, how I can still improve, like, just how you've observed me growing with what the show became. Well, having the ability to do something repetitively, you get to practice it. So you become a better musician. Yeah. By practicing, totally. we become a better artist. I become better at Pilates if I practice it. So I feel like you get better innately, totally. but it also gives you clarity over time to be able to know your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think that you've evolved. You thought maybe you would only work in just this small niche of music. And now we expand that sometimes and we see pol politics which is an art in itself, um, of a different sort. And we see everyday people who are, st and every, we, we hope that people have a passion. Mm -hmm. um, and I think totally. that, so, and you've pulled for many different kinds of people. So I think that was, the, that's the evolution I've seen. Where you want to go with that? We've talked about some of the small things um, that you can do to, <laughs> You always perfect your craft. You like to remark on my posture. Yes. <laughs> Gotta sit up straight. Um, <laughs> trying to use the word like less. And I notice that when you're speaking with me, you don't do it as much. Well, you do when you're when we're talking and you're, you know, uh, 
expounding on your emotions but when you're talking more from an intellectual place in your head that becomes less like that when you're talking to me I feel like that might have a comp have to do with the comfortability I have with you um, it might have something to do with what you know I've been like because like we talk about a lot of this stuff like just by nature like I already have like some sense of familiarity like venturing into this territory and so that comes with that is more confidence and less like trying to find the the proper verbiage or proper um, ways of articulating something that I often do when I'm with somebody I'm less familiar with. True. Yeah. But I think that you do a great job of allowing people to be themselves, get comfortable. You share enough of yourself so they feel that they can share of themselves without dominating and becoming the center and still allowing the person mm -hmm. to shine. True. And that's a really good skill. One of the things that you do really, really well, that um, if I didn't, ha I would have to have a pen if I was you, because I forget from moment to moment what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. So, like forgetting the question I asked. Exactly, because <laughs> I knew I would. So, I usually keep notes, but I've always been that way through my entire life. Yeah. Actually, my whole family's note takers mm -hmm. and list makers. So, but by. Um, you'll remember something that somebody said 25 minutes ago and be able to retract back to that point to bring your conversation forward. So, the other part, which I did remember, haha, is um, what you can do to be better is we've talked about trying to, with still being yourself, emulating some of the other things that other people who are very successful do like having a very specific time of releasing your shows mm -hmm. yeah um, which is something i definitely want to incorporate into going into 2020 for sure and so that if you should have the, an opportunity to get um hired to do more event planning or more write for another platform or You'll still have space to do your podcast because mm -hmm. you'll can be you have more control over this is what I do and you can tweak it down without feeling underwhelmed or overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you allow yourself to be more deliberate about the process, but not overachieving with it, because I think giving too much information is sometimes too much for people. It's like when we went to, um, sometimes when you go to a store and they have 20 different kinds of jeans, I don't know, I'm out, I'm out the door. I don't know mm -hmm. what kind of jean I want. Yeah. If they have three styles, I can pick a style of jeans. Mm -hmm. So giving people too much to pull from is yeah. overwhelming for them. So I'm because of the holidays, I'm behind on my podcasts of listening to you. So now, Am I going to skip them? Mm -hmm. Having a more regimented... But I do like the idea that there isn't a specific time. That you are... There's wiggle room to allow somebody to speak longer. Or if somebody doesn't have as much um, 
conversation with you that you don't feel obligated to make it long. Mm -hmm. it, that's unnecessary. So For I sure. feel so I feel that that's a good thing to do, and um, I think your father and I would both would encourage you to interview more people that you don't know. Which will definitely... Oh, here he comes. Here comes Wilbur. <laughs> well, Hi, Wilbur! Well, he has to get out of the... Come he's here. standing in front... Come here. There you go. There okay, we thanks. go. Um, <laughs> um, that, well, that is also a huge goal of mine. I feel like I tried to interview as much as I could that I was familiar with already this year. Like, I mean, I still interviewed plenty of people I didn't know personally, but... Um, I definitely tried to do that earlier on so that it would prepare me to like go more into the world um, with people that I'm not already acquainted with. Um, um, the other day when we took our walk um, on that beautiful Christmas day, because it was so warm, we talked about um, the DNC coming to Milwaukee and how can you capitalize on that personally? Yeah. You have many different skills. You don't have just one skill. Which skill are you going to use to, or which set of skills are you going to implement? You can write, you can podcast, whether or not there's people on the peripheral. I mean, it's not likely that you're going to get um, a presidential candidate to come on your podcast. Who knows? But, right. <laughs> but maybe, maybe somebody that's in the supporting team. Yeah. So you, yeah. you know, somebody who travels along with. That'd be cool. Like interviewing another interviewer. Yeah, for sure. Which I love doing. I do love doing that. I love interviewing other interviewers or other journalists or other podcasters. Like, because it feels like we've already got so much in common in terms of like how we perceive the world and how we enjoy just, you know human interaction and understand it well um for sure so i appreciate that feedback mom definitely uh i hope to implement these things that you're talking about um you know i i'm only getting started are you still having fun with it yeah oh yeah i i do get stressed out sometimes when people don't communicate very well but uh, that's the only time on the show or before they get before they get yeah when like I'm trying to coordinate that is frustrating but at the end of the day that is not entirely in my control I am I am transferring control to that other person in that context so like that is some that's not that doesn't have to do with the show itself um, but well what I've learned by working with retail for so long and trying to teach people and train people and um, orientate them to new environments is being very, very clear and explicit. So sometimes we might make fun of your dad for being so elementary when he explains certain things about when, when you're planting something. Mm -hmm. But you really have to do that because People bring a different perception of words that you're using, mm -hmm. and they may not have the backstory you have, and so you need to really focus on being able to communicate very clearly what your expectations are. So, can you do a podcast? Great. Can you? 
and then but you outline certain parameters mm -hmm. and then but clearly say like if I tell a student that they need to come to an orientation to campus where I work I tell them I would the expectation is that you get here 10 to 15 minutes before the start of your um, advising session so that you can not be late because otherwise they're not going to let you participate and mm -hmm. then you're not going to register for you. So it's like in the, the domino effect. Yeah. So you don't have to be explicit in, in that way, but in some ways you do. Yeah. I try to speak a universal language on the show too, that this is always like, you know, the, this is the, the, the this is the permanence of me and my personality with the, like no matter who the guest is that you're always getting the same me. That is what I strive for, for sure. Well, that's your authenticity. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I think you, I definitely think you are the same way with all the people and, and situations and positions you've been in. You've always been the same Nancy. You know? I do try. I've had people say, oh, when you started working here, you were very this or you were that. I'm like, no. <laughs> I really have always been the same person. I may tone down my language because I can have a very foul mouth. So depending on the environment, yeah. I have to moderate. You know, you used to punish me when I used certain words when I was little. As I would all parents I do. would grow up to find out that you are totally a hypocrite. Um, well, we did have a parrot, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Like, we had a parrot. And yeah, we, we had a parrot. And did. I didn't want the parrot to imitate the foul language. Right. And so that was a, one of the bigger factors in that whole Thing. Sure. We also had a house that was exposed. Customers, yes, yeah. we had customers in and out of our household all the time, and you don't want to offend uh, people unknowingly. Yeah, for sure. So I get it. I totally get that. So the last thing I wanted to talk about before we close out is, so given that you, you know me better than anybody in the world. I thought honestly, like I have always struggled with, like. Struggle with the idea that no one in the world like truly knows me, that like no one really actually knows the real me. And I think that you're the only person in the world that does. Um, it's not necessarily strange or anything that you are, because I feel like anyone who's close to their parent and has been so, you know, to hell and back with themselves and has had a parent to help guide them through that way. I don't think anyone. I think that that's like a pretty normal, that would be a pretty normal thing. Mm -hmm. um, because you have raised me um, into who I am today. Um, so given that you struggled with mental health issues when you were younger, when you were, you know, my age or whatnot, um, and you would, when I was growing up and you know had went through various like emotional instabilities or insecurities and you know when I first came to you when I was 18 and told you that I have this horrible anxiety and I don't know what to do I think I'm going insane like that day would change our relationship forever because it would lead us into this you know, it would lead us into this odyssey where I was trying to figure out my mental health stuff for years. Um, and, you know, you would 
I think it started before you were 18. I think we talked about it long before you were 18. Maybe. Well, I think I talked about more like fears and stuff like that, you know? Um, Or or like I would get, or like things that would happen at school, like that I was going through, like stuff like that. Like, I mean, you, you would definitely like, we definitely did work through that when I was younger than that. But the first time I ever came to you about my specific anxiety um, was when I was 18, I remember. So I guess, like, how do you feel like your own struggles with mental health when you were younger, like, I guess, per- helped ha- helped shape how you perceived me dealing with it when I was growing up and just how you would, like, help me, like, learn to, like, cope with them in my own ways that I have? Well, I suppose... I could only share what worked for me. And I don't, but I don't profess to have all the answers because nobody's identical. Yeah. And there is a different element. You being a male and me being a female hormonally, um, those kinds of things play differently into the way our brains probably work. And how we're socialized culturally. So, as much as I tried to have neutrality and openness, <coughs> having you and Megan exposed to very similar things, you definitely did gravitate towards... I didn't. I never handed you a car more than a Barbie doll, but you went and played with the, the box of cars. Mm-hmm. And she went for the Barbie dolls, even though there's both were accessible to both of you. And so I think that I want to honor people enough to not assume and presume and take leaps of mm-hmm. into knowing something. So though I know you and I had identified some similarities, I would never presumed to know all the answers for you. Plus, I'm so close to it. And the tools that worked for me don't necessarily work for somebody else. So, well, when you're having a panic or an anxiety attack, it has physical ramifications. So, let's just say I was having a panic attack while I'm driving. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be grasping the wheel. I'm going to be shallow breathing. So if I realized that I was going into that place and starting to spin out of control when I was mm-hmm. younger, I learned. I did have a, um, a, our family doctor was actually very good and very pivotal in helping me. Just, he just said, Nancy, just relax. Mm-hmm. Stop fretting. You're not going to die of heart palpitations. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. Everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Just go in the car and listen to some good music. And... Just not get hung up on the little things. And somehow that helped. But by physically focusing on when I was driving, relaxing my hands and breathing slowly instead of hyperventilating and getting dizzy, um, those tools I could say when you were having a panic attack that we could sit down together and I could rub your back and I said and just put your head down between mm-hmm. your legs and let's just ground ourselves yep. and then it takes several minutes to kind of come out of that 
Um, so those tools I hope that, that had the physical part I could help. The mental part, we just had to talk. You had to say what you, was going on and I would have to ask. And all, all I believed that I could do was keep the conversation going. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. regardless of whether it was you, a co-worker, co um, a young adult that was working with me that had some kind of mental health Megan, issues. Even. Yes, that no matter who you are, that just keeping the communication open mm -hmm. and the conversation going yeah. and not being judgmental because yeah. none of us have a, that right to judge somebody unless it's repeatedly mean. Mm -hmm. I don't try to play, place blame or judgment on somebody. Sure. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like talking through it definitely did soothe. Um, which I valued my relationship with you in that immensely for that I could be vulnerable. Well, you with just you. said yesterday when we were talking um, after your other podcast with the other gentleman is that by just saying something out loud, sometimes it unburdens. It totally, yeah, exactly. So being able to say if I like when we were when we've been in certain circumstances, I'm kind of claustrophobic or and I don't like a lot small mm. spaces I don't like to be with mm. lots of people in a small area right if I say that out loud and um, and have either you your sister or your or my husband on either side of me holding a hand and grounding me I'm feeling much better because yeah. I can say I'm just about, I'm gonna have a panic attack just so you know so could somebody hold my hand and because I can tell when it comes on when we went to the cave of the mounds but hopefully yeah. what I can do by doing yeah. that is to mini min uh, minimize the duration and the severity. Yeah, totally. That Yeah, even if it's just physical touch, that can ground somebody in itself. Absolutely. Um, how do you think me and my sister are similar? How do you think we're different? Well, you're exactly opposite. <laughs> in pre almost every way, except that you're both very, very smart. Huh. It just... Your, whatever part of your brain is more developed, her, she's very developed in both parts of her brain, but um, I wouldn't say that Megan is less empathetic necessarily um, in, as far as populations are concerned, but mm -hmm. sometimes one-on-one, -on -one, um, she would be more prone to say, she'll listen, but she will be more prone to say, you know, take a deep breath and just suck it up. Yeah. Whereas you'll let somebody expound on their mm -hmm. emotions, and uh, but I think that you both are very much in tune with the idea of giving back to the world, and I think that you're both very kind um, and very funny, which is important. Um, a, a very important tool mm -hmm. to get through every day is having a good sense of humor, but um, but you. I think that really you're almost the same, mm -hmm. but you exhibit in polar opposites. Yeah, yeah. She's always social and wanting to enjoy other people's company, and you like to be by yourself like 75% of the time. Yeah. So even <coughs> sitting here, your eye contact with me, it was very minimal. Yeah, well, 
That's it's like being in a car. I think it's that's more of a spatial thing, like because the last week, couple weeks, I had to do the episodes on the couch in my place back in Milwaukee, like <clears throat> because our Christmas tree was where the chair is supposed to be. Now, if we were sitting in those chairs, I could look at you in your eyes a lot more. But because you're right next to me, as opposed to like there being space, it's harder for me to like look at you. I don't know why, but. Yeah. Might just be a sensitivity thing. I'm certain it probably is. Yeah. A lot of us, when we talk to somebody, we look a, kind of above their head or on, on the side of them. And then when we listen to them, we look at them. Yeah, sure. Which is an interesting thing. Yeah, I could Because be. you have to, because you're thinking sometimes you're not looking at their eyes. Yeah, sure. Um, so what are your goals in 2020? Hmm... Well, it was brought to my attention today in class, and I, one of my goals as a teacher, and I told them this a couple of weeks ago, is there's anything that you want to bring forward to, to contribute to how you want things to move forward in our class together. Um, I was told it would be nice if I could end my classes on time because I tend to run a couple minutes long. Mm -hmm. And then their relaxation portion sometimes gets a little short. Um, but the class that's before me usually runs long. And so I try to make it up on the other end. Sure. But yeah. sometimes, especially by, because of the time of day I teach, sometimes people have someplace to go and they still want to get their relaxation. So that's one of my... And I think another goal would be to move out of this house. Yeah, that's been a goal for like the uh, past five years almost. Well, I think it's, get, it's getting closer. Yeah. So um, we're sick of Flossmore. Um, <laughs> I'm ready to move forward. Yeah, yeah. It's like when I was in college and I lived in DeKalb for five and a half years. I really enjoyed my right. time there. I. It's not necessarily up against the village itself. It's no, just that, but it's just yeah. time. Sometimes it's just time. Right. Yeah. So. It would also change the way my day looks by not having to commute as much. So that would be a, a real big positive mm -hmm. um, and totally. something I'm, I would like to move forward to towards. The other thing is I think it, um, I'm preparing in my mind to apply for another position on campus and so the, that would be something that I would like to do mm -hmm. in the upcoming year. Um, I don't really have any enlightening fitness goals that are much different than what I'm doing now, um, other than hopefully being able to maintain what I do. Yeah, for sure. Because as I get older, it does get a little, <clears throat> little bit harder mm -hmm. um, to be able to do the same. So I have to moderate, but always honoring what your body tells you to totally. do. Totally. Yeah. So, what about you? Well, um, I'd say goals in 2020, um, keep the momentum going is above all else. Just keep it moving. Um, you know, I've obviously got a lot of content in the vault that I still have to upload and still have to work on, you know, continuing the writing on the music scene in Milwaukee. That's another big one. Um, but <clears throat> in terms of like, you know, bigger things that I'm already doing. Um, I just want to keep going out of my comfort zone even further. 
um, you know, continuing to take on bigger projects, hopefully travel a little bit more. Well, you liked hosting that sh um Yeah. I hosted a show for the first time uh, about a month ago, and I had a blast, had a great time, and I got paid for it. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I want to do that more, uh, getting into booking once a month at my workplace, um, booking Well, you do like music. coordinating. I think that producing and what that means for you is a, and that's a great skill, mm -hmm. and it could be transferable into, not to say you have to work for some huge corporation, but any company, my goal for you would be to be able to get paid and compensated more mm -hmm. for what you do. Sure. That, yeah, that is So that goal you could independently live in your own space and be able to start paying back you know, the bigger college loans and... You know, hopefully a, a particular Democratic candidate can get rid of that, but we can't bank on that. You know, we can we can hope for it, but not expect it. And even if it happens, <laughs> it's not going to happen for... It takes several, it, yeah, it's a gradual terms, thing. Right. several terms of several presidents. But at least, or at least, hopefully, it's easier to navigate. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to get compensated more, um, definitely want to travel more, um, hopefully take my work to wherever I travel. Um, you have camera, we'll travel. It, sure, yeah. The great thing is, I can do this anywhere, um, inside, outside, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just want to continue enriching the content, uh, get, a, get the brand better, continuing to market that brand uh, to not only <clears throat> other Milwaukeeans, but also beyond, hopefully get it beyond Milwaukee more this coming year. You know, not turning my back on my social life uh, and the close friendships that I value so much. Are you so still much. On, a, on a Tinder or whatever? Because um, I know you've been on and off. Yeah. Uh, no, I have since removed Tinder. Um, I... Um, yeah, I, I got rid of Tinder a couple months ago, um, just, you know, for my own reasons, it's just kind of stressful, and it can be really stupid sometimes, but, I mean, it can be, it goes in, it goes in waves, um, dating-wise, yeah, I'm, I'm not, like, it's not something I'm looking for, it's something I believe will happen just whenever it's ready to happen, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm proud of myself for getting for making this year what it became because it is the best year of my life but as we are we're both proud of you thank as well. you um, i'm proud of you uh, uh, yep yeah, the cats uh, they're proud too thank you <laughs> yeah. you can tell how excited they are yeah right that's why they joined us for this lovely episode mm -hmm. um but i'm proud of you for you know despite that you know, there's been a lot of uh, age discrimination in the work that both you and Dad have done since you left the greenhouse. Um, you've continued persevering. You haven't settled. You've had a lot of odds against you, um, you know, money-wise or situation-wise, being as, for example, you have to co commute so far for work. But you've never given up, and you've always said that, like, you know, yeah, like, you may be frustrated with certain things, circum certain circumstances now, but that won't be there forever, and you will work your way out of it. Um, you've always done that, 
Um, and I'm proud of you for doing that. Uh, Thanks, Ben. You're welcome. <laughs> so, Mom, uh, as we close out, what keeps you up at night? Dad snoring. Worrying <laughs> about you. Oh, um, I would say what keeps me up at night is sometimes my personal fears on not achieving my goals on helping other people become their best versions of themselves so um, I think that would be it is just mm -hmm. hopefully turning that around to say because we know what's coming next what puts me to sleep um, <laughs> is I don't feel I ever will know necessarily that I have um, elevated somebody to become their best version, right. which is my hope. Mm -hmm. um, but what really puts me to sleep is a good book. <laughs> what are you reading now? Um, I'm reading a mystery. Like when my, when my mom died, I had gotten all these books that were on her shelf that she had been given. And so, um, in turn, I'm reading them, and I love a good mystery. But I also had um, recently read uh, Michelle Obama's book. Oh, yeah. Recommended. Nice. <laughs> Very awesome. nice. Um, and I've read a couple. I, I usually will waver back and forth between nonfiction and fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and then Megan for The Holidays gave me another book, and it's a fictional book that I'm True. going to be reading. Nice. So. Very nice, lovely. Yep. You know what puts me to sleep? The fact that this is the last year that uh, that abomination is still in the White House. We have we best believe that. That's what's I putting me to sleep. I don't know. I don't know. I I never. We put, have to believe oh. that 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 is the case. That this is the last year that that's still our reality. But I dig, I digress. That's for another day. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. I love yeah, I, you. I love you too, Ben. You're great. You're better. Stop it. Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, well, that would make you, um, that would make you... Mr. Nice Guy's mom. Pretty much. I was gonna say Mrs. Nice Guy, but that's gonna be my wife when, like, whenever that happens, but... Dad is Mr. Nice Guy Sr. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, th yeah, thank you for watching. Uh, Hope you enjoyed uh, a little personal uh, chat between uh, my mother and I, a little bit about you know, everything that goes into what we love doing. We'll see you next time.